Hello, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with the Lean Zone podcast. Today, we have Tom Borgia, um, who is the CFO of Jay Raymond. Um, how you doing, Tom? Doing well, Alex. Good morning. I appreciate uh, you, you taking the time to have me on uh, the podcast this morning. No, I'm, I'm glad. You're going to share a lot of valuable information. And today, we're going to talk about three key financial metrics that every construction company needs to know um, to run their construction operation, uh, ideally profitably, but at least to be aware of all of the moving parts. And uh, I think you're going to even share with us some some bonus tips. So, Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your company, what you do, uh, and then we'll get into it. Sure, can do that. So, again, uh, Tom Borgia, I am the, uh, the CFO and a partner with J. Raymond Construction Corp. Uh, we're based in Longwood, Florida, which is just east of Orlando. Uh, general contractor, have been in business 33 years and serve, serve the majority of the Southeast uh, United States. Uh, all of our folks live in Florida, so ideally we try to stay in Florida with our current clients. Um, and our specialty is retail, so commercial retail, um, and then really even specialized into the grocery market as well, uh, which has been very strong for us over the last uh, last handful of years here also. So um, great company, great people. Um, like I said, everybody lives in Florida. Um, a little bit about us. Uh, average tenure of our employees is 18 years. Wow. Uh, if that tells you anything about our group, once you get in the door, uh, it's hard to get back out. So uh, uh, that's Jay Raymond in a nutshell. That's uh, that's impressive. So just so we have some perspective, so the folks that are listening, um, how many employees, um, you know, what's the average dollar value of a, of a Jay Raymond job? Um, just so they have some perspective of, as we dive into these financials of the things that you're dealing with on a daily basis. Sure. So, so we are currently 70 employees, uh, 70 full-time employees. As far as project average value of a project, I would say it's anywhere in the area of uh, maybe 10 to $15 million. Um, we'll certainly do smaller projects at the uh, three to six, three to $8 million range as well. But the, the sweet spot for us is typically in that 10 to 15. Um, and we do have several projects that are up into the thirties and, um, smaller $40 million projects as well. So, uh, one of the key things to, to think about with Jay Raymond is we don't self-perform. I think everybody's business is a little bit different out there, but, uh, uh, we're purely general contractor management. We don't self-perform any of our work and uh, 100% of it is subcontracted out. Okay, so so let's get into it. You, you've uh, distilled down um, this topic into three key financial metrics, profitability ratios, efficiency ratios, and liquidity ratios. Um, so let's break down each one and, and how you calculate it, how you use it, why it's important, um, and why it should be on every contractor's dashboard to determine, you know, the health of their business. So why don't we start with profitability ratios? What are those? How do you use them? And why is it important? Certainly. So I, I will say I will say to start before we jump into profitability, I think one of the understandings that uh, the listeners have to have out there is every business is a little bit different. Uh, there's not really a one size fits all. Uh, when you're starting to look at ratios and some of the intangible things that um, that that make a business a strong business uh, or one that needs to improve, but 
historically the the profitability ratios just as they sound uh, it's really the the way you can use ultimately how do you find a way to be profitable right so that's either gross profit percentage uh net profit percentage but how are you turning revenue uh ultimately into profit i think that's that's one of the big things so um obviously for all all folks in business your gross profit percentage is is important uh at the end of the day bottom line uh net profit is also important as well uh one of the things that you need to keep in mind there is typically the difference between gross profit and net profit is your SGA or your overhead expense uh, and that's something that everybody out there should be taking a look at as well to make sure that your your overhead expense uh, is, is a level number uh, in order for you to be able to make the net profit. So if you're a business that's ha heavy on assets, right? So if you're looking at a return on assets, that might be a profitability ratio that you look at as well. That really indicates the profit that's generated by by those assets that you have on your balance sheet. So for us at J. Raymond, we're not asset heavy. Like I said, we don't self-perform. We don't have much equipment. Uh, so that's not really a a ratio that we look at that often, although we do look at it. Um, and then other things like your return on equity, right? So if you've got multiple shareholders within an organization, uh, really one of their first questions is gonna be, hey, what's your return on equity? Um, and that really indicates the profit uh, generated again by your assets or net assets that are employed. So uh, the profitability ratios are are one of the one of the simpler ones to look at, but it really at the end of the day, it's um, it's how do you turn your revenue into profit? So you know, one of the things that I have found um, that's useful is to understand what the metric is. Like you know, w which metric should I be looking at? But um, and I know we're going to talk about this in a little more detail, but what's really important, what really fascinates um, me and, and, and I think any business owner is where do my metrics fit against, um, and not necessarily my competitors, but just the general market. So, um, you know, I know you wanted to talk about the CFMA benchmarker, and we'll get into that in a minute uh, of what that is. But if we go into profitability, profitability ratios, so a general contractor that doesn't self-perform, I mean, what types of metrics would be considered good, not so good um, to, uh, for them to measure their own business? Sure, that's, that's a really good question. So um, really, without even getting into the benchmarker yet, I, I would throw this out there for, uh, for your listeners as well. Uh, you're, you're, there's many relationships that you have across industries. Some of those are with your banker. Um, for those that uh, that provide bonds, you may have a, a relationship with your, your surety agent or the surety as well. Um, both of those relationships are more than just providing you, uh, say, a line of credit or, uh, or a bond when needed. Uh, they're really professionals in the marketplace, and, and both of them can provide you a best in class list to be able to benchmark yourself against. So if you think about it this way, uh, bankers in the industry and sureties, they have a wide, a wide net or a wide array of clients. Uh, some of them may even be competitors. So as an example, some of them are competitors to Jay Raymond in the market. Uh, the bank and the surety are always willing to give you best in class benchmarks against companies that are similar size to you or maybe sim similar demographic location. Uh, and again, 
there may be some of your uh, uh, some of your competitors in that lineup. You're not going to see names. You're just going to see company A, company B, company C uh, as you work through. So I think really getting those best in class numbers and being able to benchmark yourself against others uh, that, that are of similar size, uh, shape or market is very important uh, to give you an idea of how you stack up. But I, I would caution at the end of the day, again, every business is a little bit different um, and you need to try to figure out what ratios are most important to your business and how you operate. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, you, you, pay your surety agent and surety for the bonds, but there's a lot more information they can provide to you um, in the uh, in their representation of you, in their in the service that they provide. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people take advantage of that. Um, I would tell you our most successful clients um, are regularly going out with their construction CPA, their surety agent, um, their banker, their construction lawyer, just to kind of keep their ear to the ground of what's going on. Um, you see the same thing? I, I do. I do. It's uh, I think the most important piece of, of your comment there is it's a relationship and it's really it's not a transactional. It shouldn't be a transactional relationship. It really should be a personal. It could be a personal relationship as well, but really more of a professional uh, relationship and and the surety and you mentioned the CPA as well. That's actually a really good resource as well. Uh, those those resources out there, they're willing to provide you that information. And I would say in many cases, if they're doing their job well, they should be coming to you and saying, "Hey, Alex, uh, let's benchmark your company or your organization against others that are in the market to make sure you're doing well." Or uh, or they can take a look at where you guys stand uh, and, and try to give you a feel of again how you how you fare against the market. But uh, one of the things Jay Raymond uh, has tried to look at my, myself and a couple of my partners is over the last couple of years, we've actually had discussions around trying to get a, a quote unquote professionals day where we really bring in all of our professional folks uh, in our relationships. Like you said, the surety, uh, it could be our insurance agent, our CPA, the firm that does our audit, um, our construction attorney, our labor law attorney, all of those folks to bring them into our office for one day and just kind of get an update on the pulse of the market and, and within Florida and the Southeast. And, and you'd be surprised uh, how much information you can get uh, by getting all of those folks in the room for one day. Now, that being said, it's an investment that we at Jay Raymond make uh, into that process. Uh, but we feel there's great value in there to, to provide all those professionals the opportunity to give us an update and how that relates to uh, the work that we're doing and the things that we need to stay focused on the following year. So a uh, long-winded answer to that would be you really need to utilize those professional relationships that you have for more than just a transactional purpose. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't agree more. So before we move on to the next ratio, so what... What ratio of profitability should a um, contractor be looking at? Again, I know it's very different depending on their assets. And, and by the way, we have a lot of subcontractors that listen, so it's slightly different for them because they self-perform sure. everything. But what are some of the ratios or the percentages that you think are reasonable? Yeah, I would look at, so so really at the end of the day, regardless of how you operate your business, that, that net profit number is going to be important. Obviously, it's one of the most important numbers to any any organization. 
Now, whether you itemize things as cost of sales or you itemize things as SGA slash overhead expense, uh, at the end of the day, I'm not sure that it really matters that much because you're kind of squeezing the balloon to get to the net uh, the net sure. profit percentage. But but in a uh, say in a general contractor state, if you're looking at a gross profit percentage of maybe I don't know four to four to seven percent, maybe somewhere in there. And again, that varies on the size of the job. I guess you'd need to consider if you're you're doing a very large job, uh, the larger the revenue. Uh, the, the smaller your, your gross profit percentage may be. Um, and then if you look at the subcontractor side of things, and I really give you that answer from general contractor, just, just in general, but if you look at the subcontractor side, it could be anywhere from 12 to 20, 12 to 22% on a gross profit basis uh, that would be a solid place to be. Again, size of job matters, relationship with a client could be repeat business. There's a number of other factors there, but Typically, we see in the 12 to 22% range from the subcontractor side. And then uh, keeping in mind the overhead expense uh, piece for a subcontractor may be higher than one of a general contractor. So like I said, if you're 4 to four to 6 4 to 7% on a general contractor side, their overhead may be 2 2.5%. Whereas on a subcontractor side, I gave you a window of, say, 12 to 22% gross. Uh, their overhead very well could be six, eight, nine, ten percent in some cases. At the end of the day, you're still going to get to a net profit percentage and a net profit number, but but how you get there is a little bit different. Makes sense. Makes sense. At least we have some perspective. So let, let's talk about the next one: efficiency ratios. What are those? How do you use them? What, what do they translate into as far as using them to to manage the business? Sure. So so efficiency ratios really are. If you boil it down a little bit, it's how did the company utilize its assets and liabilities? Um, and, and this could be very simple things uh, like how long it takes you to collect your accounts receivable or potentially how long it takes you to pay your accounts payable. Those, those are very simple uh, efficiency ratios that you can look at. So typically in the construction market, many of the contracts are written with a, with a pay when paid clause. So if you're a general contractor, um, you're not paying subcontractors and suppliers until you've been paid by your owner, right? So on the GC side, that may be a little bit easier uh, for your average days in payables because it, it directly relates to you getting paid your receivables by your client. But if you're a subcontractor or a supplier, you you don't have that same relationship in a lot of cases with your uh, with your suppliers. If you're a sub, for example, and you're buying material from a from a local supplier, you may have a a 2% net 10 or a net 30 day term. And they don't necessarily care whether you get paid by the owner or the general contractor, they want to be paid in 30 days. So it's really looking at the ratios that you have in your, your accounts payable and, re and accounts receivable and trying to manage those the best you can. Uh, nobody wants to get out 45, 60, 75 or 90 days um, on receivables, right? General contractor, subcontractor, nobody wants to be that far out because uh, the longer you go out, the more cash you have to have to carry carry your overhead and carry your business. So it, it's really looking at days and accounts receivable and days and accounts payable. And again, any of your relationships out there will be able to give you a best in class number as well. So like as an example, on a general contractor basis, um, days and accounts receivable, uh, a best in class average would probably run in the area of about 35 days, 37 days, somewhere in there. 
um, and then days and accounts payable, uh, maybe in that same area, it could be 34 to 38 days and accounts payable as well. Again, every business is a little bit different. I um, mean, you can't use our numbers to kind of kind of compare everybody because they're not the same, but that'll give you an idea of what uh, an average best in class uh, days and accounts receivable and days and accounts payable looks like. I think. Let me, um, let me ask you a related question, which is, um, I know suppliers, and again, you don't self-perform, but you know, maybe you purchase materials directly or have the ability to obtain discounts. Um, how how aggressive? Again, it, it all depends on cash and and availability of cash. I get that, but but how how aggressively should construction companies be looking to get those discounts for prompt or early payments? That's a good point. I think your the first comment you made is very important. It all comes down to what you have for for capital or cash, right? How long can you carry your business if your receivables happen to go from 30 days to 60 days, as an example, right? Part of that depends on your clients. How reliable are they with payment? How quickly do they pay? Do they pay on time? Um, I would tell you from our standpoint and from, from a lot of folks in the market, you, you wanna try to get that discount because if you can get the discount, uh, obviously you're saving money, um, you're saving time and you're creating some efficiencies in there as well. You just need to be careful to make sure that you've got the cash and capital uh, to be able to carry your business in the case that, again, your receivable, you don't get paid on your receivables as quick as you, you expect, right? So uh, I guess the simple way to think about it would be the more cash and capital you have and the ability to carry your business, the more aggressive you can actually be to chase those discounts. I know a lot of people have the 2%, 10, 10 days. On the, on the supplier side, obviously they want to get paid quickly as well. And they're willing to offer a 2% discount if you pay net 10. Um, if you're getting paid by your client, as an example, and say average average 30 days, you're really only having to carry that for uh, 20 days, which may not be that, that big a period. But again, if you go out to 50, 60 days, you really need to assess your business and say, okay, hey, I'm going to get that 2% net 10, but I'm going to have to carry that cost for another 40 days, do, do I have the cash to be able to do that? So well, I two, per, you, 2% is real money over yeah. a year. I mean, it, it really can add up if you can sustain it, if you can, if you can afford to do it. A, a, absolutely. If you look at it, I mean, a lot of times people look at it on a one invoice or a two invoice basis and say, okay, hey, on uh, on a hundred bucks, it's $2. That's, that's money, but it's not real money. But if you start looking at suppliers that are providing pipe or if you're in the masonry concrete business or or really just any any business with big time supply value uh if you're doing a million dollars a year two percent net tens that's a real number and if you can find a way to manage your business and you have the cash to uh to carry uh that that floats down to net profit and we talked about the profitability ratios a couple minutes ago any any dollar you can get down to the net line is a win right so um, there, there's real money there to be had, but it just takes, it takes some organization and some planning and, and really an understanding of where your business is and how long you can, uh, you can carry your business on the cat with the cash that you have in hand. So let's talk about the third one, which is liquidity ratios. So what are they and, and how do you use them? Sure. So liquidity ratios, those are, those are kind of the black and white, uh, trademark ratios. And a lot of those ratios. Uh, hold true for not even just construction. You can look at many businesses. So if you're out there and you talk to people about uh, 
say the current two of the common ones are current ratio and your quick ratio. So so really for construction, I would say uh, it's probably better to look at the current ratio, which basically indicates the extent uh, to which your assets are available to satisfy your current liabilities, right? So if uh, if doomsday came tomorrow, uh, what what do you have in assets in order to satisfy your current liabilities? And so a, a best in class uh, average on our current ratio, I would say maybe, I don't know, 1.3, 1.4 uh, would be a best in class. Now, that being said, a 1.0, a 1.1, a 1.2, they're not bad either. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's you've got current liabilities. And, and for current liabilities, that would be defined as anything that's due and payable within a year. And then you've got your current assets as well. Do you have enough assets to pay those current liabilities if they all became due tomorrow? So that that's really one of the ratios you look at. Um, something else to keep in mind would be days of cash, right? So uh, how many days of revenue do you have in cash? So I know most of us are probably out there checking our bank accounts uh, daily, weekly, uh, whatever it may be. You have an understanding of where your cash position is at any time. That gives you the power and the understanding uh, to realize, okay, like we mentioned a couple minutes ago, how long can we carry our business? Uh, but in addition uh, to that, how much revenue do we have in cash, right? So days of cash is, is an important liquidity ratio to look at. And then one of the others that we look at as well is really our working capital uh, to our backlog. So it's that's one of the things the surety also looks at as well. They want to make sure that their ratios that they're looking at in order to issue you bonds um, is, is sufficient there also. So we look at the working capital backlog, a best in class mean uh, there, I would say maybe five, five and a half percent for working capital backlog would be a calculation. Uh, depending on the relationship you have with your surety and, and your history as an organization, uh, it, it can certainly be four and a half, four, maybe even three and a half percent. Um, on a working capital basis as well. So, so those are the liquidity ratios that we look at. You know, if I, I have clients that um, say, you know, I wish I had more bonding capacity. Um, and you bring up a great point, which is then you should be tracking what your bonding company thinks is important to change the ratios over time so that they give you more bonding, right? So if 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 there's a ratio that's important to your um, to your surety. And if you could increase that percentage and get more bonding, well, then the best way to do it is to track it yourself weekly, monthly, so that you can actually see progress so that when you go get new bonds and you meet with your agent, you can say, look, um, you know, I was at this place. Now I'm at this place. I, I should get more bonding. A absolutely. That would be, again, going back to the start of our conversation, the relationship you have with your professionals in the market, whether that's the, again, the surety agent or the bonding agent or the surety, uh, they're there to help and support you in that relationship. And, and obviously if you're looking at it yourself, uh, you can measure those ratios, but you can also sit down with your professional uh, folks and say, Hey, uh, as you just mentioned, I, I have this big job coming up. The contractor wants us to bond what can I do to improve my financial position or the ratios that I'm looking at to be in position to get that bond, knowing that if you can get that bond, you get that job, you do the job successfully, you can be profitable. So it, it's really being able to self-manage a little bit and use your 
uh, and use your relationships to understand how you can improve. Uh, the, the surety, they see hundreds of contractors all the time. They see financials. They're in the market. It's their job to understand the market and the customers that they have. Uh, they are a great resource in order to be able to help you understand the things that you can do to, to improve your, your ratios across the board to be in a better position to get that next job. So you mentioned uh, the CFMA benchmarker. So let me explain what it is briefly. So the CFMA is the Construction Financial Management Association. Um, you're a member. I'm a member. Um, and uh, it's a great group. They have regional uh, chapters. I'm in the Miami chapter. Uh, which chapter are you in, Tom? We're in the Central Florida chapter. So we uh, we cover Metro Orlando. And, and the CFMA nationally has this thing called the benchmarker. So explain how it works. I'm guessing you use it, right? I, I do, I do. So so CFMA, just, just for folks out there, is an organization of just under 9,000 uh, construction financial professionals. I think the association's currently got 100 chapters across the country um, with, with chapters as far as far east and west as we'll go. Uh, but it's, it's really... Uh, construction financial managers, it's accounting managers, it's uh, controllers, it's CFOs, it's professionals as well. So surety, insurance, legal, as you mentioned, Alex, you're a member in, uh, in South Florida. So it, it's a wide ranging peer group of professionals that are in construction um, and, and something that I've been a part of for almost 15 years now. But w- one of their offerings each year to members is this product called the Benchmarker. And basically you supply your data uh, at the end of your fiscal year, so think uh, think balance sheet, income statement, cash flow, information uh, into a secure portal, as as does 300, 400, 500 other companies. They they put their data in, CFMA calls that together, and they create this benchmarker, which gives you a best in class across the board. And again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, they break it down into revenue size, uh, market. Right. So whether you're a general contractor, subcontractor, whether you're doing commercial, you're doing residential, uh, you could be a drywall sub. They pare it down as far so you can look at your best in class against other uh, contractors that are similar to you. And and what it does is it gives you a great snapshot of not only the liquidity ratios, the profitability and the leverage ratios uh, that we're talking about today, as, as well as efficiency but it kind of gives you an idea of how you stack up against companies in your market and across the country. And again, not everybody's the same, not everybody uses the same ratios in the same fashion. So it's, it really has a little finesse to it and it can't be as black and white as maybe many financial people want it to be, but it's a great resource to kind of share your data in maybe a 15, 20 minute spreadsheet fill in and be able to get back, uh, and I want to say the cost of the benchmarker might be around $150 annually uh, to get that data and get that information. And then if you're taking that CFMA benchmarker data, you're looking at what your surety gives you. You're looking at what your banker gives you. You've got three different reference points to measure your business against those that are best in class uh, across the country. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal group. Uh, I've been in it not quite as long. I think I've been a member for about five years um, when they started the Miami chapter. Um, and uh, it's a great way to meet other professionals and to talk uh, really about financial management. I mean, that's really the crux of of the the group. So there's 
lots of other trade groups, but this one is focused exclusively on on the financial component of the business. So let me let me um, let's talk about one last metric, uh, a bonus metric. So the the metrics that you've talked about are in the rearview mirror. They they are things that have happened in the past, and and what I find is that a business that can find a metric that can be forward looking is a a really useful metric. And I know for every different business, it's it's hard to find um, and you always have to tweak it. But one of them that you mentioned, I thought is a really good one, which is the bid win rate. That seems to me a pretty good forward looking um, uh, metric such that if I could track that bid win rate, I can kind of get a sense of how much work is going to be coming to me. So how do how does Jay Raymond use the bid win rate ratio? It is. It's uh, it, it's one that's very important to us, and I think I, I will say from a uh, from a controller CFO really financial management position, uh, the the real value in the position and, and what we do is being able to be more strategic, look ahead, and plan. I think at the end of the day, um, again the financials, the balance sheet, the income statement, they're all things that have happened in the past, and and certainly. We need those reports and that provides us great data, uh, but there are things that happened in the past and we really can't change what's happened in the past, but we can look forward and say, okay, what kind of trends and data are out there that are going to help us better operate our business, better, better, be better efficient, right? More efficient rather. Uh, for us, that bin, bid win rate, it's really looking at, it, it's very simple. It's looking at how many jobs are we willing to bid on? Right. Knowing that we're not going to just bid every single thing that's out there. Some jobs people ask us to bid and we know there's no intention of them hiring us. Right. Or some people ask us for a cursory. Hey, can you double check these numbers? And we know. All right. Well, we may not even have an opportunity to look at this job, but it's it's really looking at how many jobs are you willing to bid and, and effectively bid? And then how many of them are you winning? Right. So uh, historically, people would tell you. Uh, in the general contractor market, if you're 30, 35% win rate against your bids, that's really good. Any Anything better than that, obviously you're doing very well. Um, if you're down at the 10%, 15% range, you may be looking at too many jobs. And and I say that in that uh, you're, you're not successful, right? So if you're winning 10, 15%, you're not getting um, 90, 85, 90% of the jobs Maybe you're not able to put as much time and effort into all of those bids to make sure they're as tight as they need to be uh, because you have so many. Maybe you call that down and say, okay, we're only going to look at a certain number, but we're going to make sure when that number goes out the door to the uh, general contractor, owner, subcontractor, whoever it may be, that's our best number and we're, we're very confident it's tight. So that's a good that's a good forward way to look at making sure that you don't extend your staff too far and that you're not bidding on absolutely everything that's out there. And then understanding that you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And if you're in that 30 to 35% range, you're doing well. How can you, how can you ultimately make it better? I think the other, the other piece to that equation is understanding where do you want to be as a company, right? So do you want to be a $5 million a year company at $20 million or a 200 million, a 500 million, understanding what what kind of company you want to be and what kind of capacity you have not only financially but with your people and your team right so 
we can all sit here and say we want to bid every job that comes in the door. That's probably not the most uh, strategic plan uh, to, to help grow your business and win work. So you really need to understand where you are, where you want to be, and be able to look ahead before you make the decisions on what you want to bid and what you want to aggressively chase. Um, I, I think that if... Uh, I can't remember who said it. I know it's a quote like you, you can't improve something that you're not tracking. And, and that's really the crux of this conversation, right? If if you want to get better, you have to be able to track the things that matter and that move your business. Um, and I'm sure your dashboard, Tom, probably has a lot of other items on it than the ones we talked about um, and that you're constantly refining them, I'm guessing, right? There are. There's. I mean, I would tell you for us, there's probably 30 different ratios that we look at. But but again, end of the day for us, it's five or six that we really look at and say, hey, these are the most important pieces. And, and for us, it's really and some of it's intangible type stuff. Right. So for us, as an example, we look at repeat client percentage. Right. So we do a good job for client A. Uh, they invite us back to the next job. They invite us back to the next job. That gives us an idea of how well we're doing because we have the same customer saying, hey, you guys at Jay Raymond are doing a great job. We want you again, right? That's important to us. Uh, looking at your current backlog, what do you have in backlog at any point in time? Um, and use that against your overhead expense. Your overhead expense, for the most part, should, should be a relatively fixed cost or fixed expense. Uh, and looking at that against your backlog, that's important to us. Um, the ability to adapt to, to the market, right? So as an example, uh, many of the listeners may be, may have been around in 2008, 9, 10, 11, when construction slowed down here in Florida. Um, and, and the ones that were able to survive were the ones that were able to adapt because they were able to look ahead. So as an example for us, uh, we knew where our overhead stood in 2006 and 7. Uh, but then when things slowed down, we knew in advance what adjustments we would need to make in order to still remain viable and profitable in, into a downturn. And I think a lot of companies don't look that far ahead and say, uh, well, things are great now. And uh, if things slow down, we'll, we'll look at it when we get to that point. I, I think you really need to have a plan in advance to understand what your moves and what your decisions are going to be in the future uh, if there's a slowdown. Um, and then I would say the, the last piece is really just understanding the character of the people you're working with, right? So if you talk to a surety, they'll tell you the three C's of surety, which are character, cap character, capacity, and capital, all three of those are important to a surety. But, but really, at the end of the day, you want to understand the people you're working with, know that they're good people, they run their business the right way, with integrity, and, and it's really about a relationship. It's not really just doing the job for a customer. You want to grow and cultivate that relationship. And if you do that, the opportunity for, for being a repeat client is going to increase. Some of those other ratios that are the intangible ones may increase as well. And, and ultimately, it's just good business. I mean, we're, we, we build construction. We're in commercial retail. But, but we, we somewhat kid here at Jay Raymond. We're, we're in the relationship business with everybody. And that's our owners. That's our subs, our suppliers, and, uh, and everybody else. And if you, can't, uh, if you can't manage the relationship and have positive, strong relationships, you're going to have a hard time being around being around for a long, a long while. That's a, that's a great place to end this podcast. Uh, Tom, if folks wanted to get a hold of you, ask you any follow-up questions, what's the best way to do it? 
Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm emailable uh, tborgia at jray. So that's t b o r g i a at j r a y dot com. Uh, you can find me on our website as well. It's www.jray j r a y dot com. You can also find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about uh, ratios, business, or or even professionals out there in the market. I know. Uh, this this industry has been one that's done very well for Jay Raymond. It's done very well for our people. Um, and I love the opportunity to, to talk to folks in the market, learn a little bit more and share some of the knowledge that uh, many good folks have taught me over the years. I appreciate that, Tom. Um, everybody, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you on the next Lean Zone podcast.